Hi, this is Mimi. And this is Lee. And this is Getting Rich After Divorce. We're two divorced women who decided the best way to get rich was to embrace our entrepreneurial spirits and build our own business. To us, rich means the money in your bank account, but also the quality of your life, your experiences, and your personal well-being. You're here to overcome doubt, fear, burnout, and finally get unstuck to build a business you love and makes you rich. You also want to learn how to do all of this while navigating the challenges divorced women face. If that's you, stick with us. You're in the right place. Hi, this is Mimi. And this is Lee. And uh, you are uh, listening to Getting Rich After Divorce. And today, in this episode, we're going to talk about getting paid, the art of getting comfortable asking for money. Yeah, I love this topic, Lee, because I think it's um, one of the biggest challenges I had to overcome when we started. Oh, yeah. You know, our business, this idea of asking for money. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation today. Yeah, uh, me too. It's definitely a familiar topic for almost all the business owners I know who are women, um, this is something that comes up, especially early on. You've got to find strategies for how you do ask for money and so you can get paid. And um, we suspect just because, you know, we've seen it in our peers and our clients and definitely felt it ourselves early on that this might be holding a lot of women back from becoming you know, entrepreneurs or building their businesses so that they're profitable, you know? Yeah. It's like um, the typical response when we talk to somebody about starting a business is, oh, I don't want to have a business. I just want to help people. You know, it's like, um, I I do this because I love it. Mm, Yeah. I mean, these are great reasons to start a business, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but then it's like, people shouldn't have to pay for this. Mm, Like I'm doing it because I love it. People shouldn't have to pay me, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, it makes me so happy to be able to offer this, you know, to give people my services. Yeah. And that those, I mean, it's surprising how often we hear this. Um, and there will be clients, potential clients who tell you that they shouldn't have to pay for it. <laughs> You'll get feedback from some people that your prices are too high or that you shouldn't ask for money. So it is important to try to find some strategies and how to build yourself up so you can get paid and get a little more comfort with asking for the money because that's how you're going to you know, build your business. Yeah, because that's the beauty of it, right? That's the beauty of being a solopreneur. Like mm-hmm. I can help people. I can do this thing that I love to do and I can make money from it. And we could go on and on about all the benefits of women having more money. We talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that you get that money and can do all those amazing things is getting paid for your services. Yeah. And we do want to point out that Mimi and I showed up in the same clothes today. So we're just like, it's our our uniform, our middle-aged woman uniform, the black turtleneck. I think that is kind of the uniform yeah, for the middle-aged yeah. woman it's like podcast yeah. recording day I'm <laughs> yeah right not every I mean if you're listening to us on Apple you can't see our uniform if you're on YouTube you can see that it looks like we dressed to match each other yeah um, 
Yeah. So, yeah. So getting paid, uh, we can definitely relate and, and it's, it goes beyond just wanting to help people and those feelings of just, you know, oh, you know, I just wish I could give it to them for less, those kind of like nicey, nice reasons. But then there's also when you start to learn about how to, you know, close a, a sale, close a deal, um, some of the strategies that you learn, like when you get into programs or start reading books about it, is a lot of the strategies give you that clickbait feeling. They start to feel kind of like sleazy and icky. Like there's definitely kind of what is called the bro sales techniques that are like really heavy handed, strong, you know, they feel very masculine. Yeah. And that to, to a woman, you know, they just start to feel kind of icky because um, we're not like that, you know, it's not our go-to. It's not that women can't also be masculine. We're not saying that. It's really the way we're acculturated, the way we're brought up, um, many of us, is that we're acculturated and trained and groomed to be the opposite of that. We're groomed by society. Uh, so it's not like our, in our natural state as beings of light on this planet that we can't also be masculine and we can't be whatever we want to be. So I just want to make that clear. I'm not saying girls are this and boys are that. It's the way we're trained, the way we're groomed in society. So that the heavy handed kind of male way of getting a sale just feels funny, you know, to learn and to try to imitate yeah. Um, Cause you know, you don't want that. You know, those situations when you're sitting there talking to someone and there's so much pressure on you to buy, to listen to them as the authority. And it really makes you feel diminished. And, mm -hmm. um, and it's, you can, even if you don't know exactly what technique they're using, whether it's like, Oh, they're pressuring me with time. They're pressuring me with, which is like that. Oh, if you don't give me an answer within the next five minutes, the price is going to be double mm -hmm. or something like yeah. that you know, like whatever it is, you know, that feeling that's like icky. And so it's like, oh yeah, if I have to go into sales, I have to make other people feel like that. And mm -hmm. we yeah. don't, well, we'll have to do a whole nother podcast on that late, like what exactly sales techniques that yeah, sales techniques. Yeah. That don't feel so icky because today what we're really talking about is just asking, getting comfortable, getting paid. Like, yeah. Get however paid. you go about making the ask, what you first have to do is is just get comfortable with the ask. Yeah, right. You know, right. And and that starts by even like deciding your price. You know, part of how you get paid is you set a price for your service or product, and then you got to ask for it. You know, yeah. you've got to ask people to actually give you that. Yeah. So there are two pieces to it. It's setting the right value for your what you offer, and then then actually closing that and getting somebody to actually take you seriously, which, yeah, which they the price is never zero. It's never <laughs> zero. It's never zero. And it should not be pennies, which is a default, you know, where you can just get so uncomfortable. And we went through versions of this early on where we were so um, put off by these clay, you know, these un uncomfortable feeling techniques that we would default to, well, you know, like just giving stuff away for pennies and, or just, you know, we've, we've done our fair share of scholarships and stuff like that, which we're going to talk about mm, um, and free events, free events. Yeah. And there's value in those too. There's value for you as a business owner to run a free event, right? You mm -hmm. learn 
a lot about how to do it. So we learn a lot about who your customer is. So we're not opposed to ever, yeah. you know, giving something away for free, but you have to be really intentional. It has yeah. to have a strategy behind it because you need to be driving toward a sale. And that's just a part of business. It's just a part of business. So yeah, it's it's like we all have to get comfortable with because most of us have been trained and acculturated to not do this. So um, and and we're serving, by the way, divorced women, a population we strongly identify with. And we know firsthand, you know, the financial hardship that divorced women can feel. So you can imagine our, it's not like our base audience or like high wealth groups, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we definitely have a big heart. So how could we possibly, we went, we struggled so much in the beginning with what kind of prices to ask and, um, you know, how could, how could, we didn't want to put more financial strain. So we really went through all the stuff that we're talking about. We we know firsthand and, and you do have to find strategies around it. You need to figure it out so that you can have a business. Um, so there, there are two key points we want to dive into uh, before we uh, get into some of the strategies or the ways you can get around it. Um, the first point is that in the history of running our paid programs, and we've heard this from others, but we had to kind of experience it for ourselves to really believe it because we had heard it and it almost sounds like, yeah, yeah, they're just saying that. But this is actually true. We've created out of the discomfort for asking for money. Sometimes we've created deep discounts or we've given away scholarships to our programs for certain people. And what we've learned is that on the whole, women who pay more participate more and get stronger results. And people, we had heard that from different advisors and coaches who coached us, but we didn't, it was just like one of those things we weren't sure we believed it, but we have seen this firsthand. Uh, this is actually true. The people who will put the money forward, they're, they're giving something more of themselves upfront, which is the money they've earned or you know the money that's important to them to to get a result, they want the result. And so they're more likely to go after that result in yeah. a, a clear way. And I think there's probably a couple of reasons why um, when somebody's willing to give up money, it means that the, the pain of not taking this action and getting this help is real mm -hmm. and it's worth it. It's worth something to them. Yeah to do it. So you're hitting, you know, that the person that's coming into your program or asking for your services is really ready for it because they're willing to pay for it. Yeah. And I think the other thing that it made me think of when you were talking is, um, oh gosh, I had it in my brain and it slipped out. I have to see if it comes back, but it had to do with people that paid be more successful. Oh, well, we'll see if it'll it, come back. If it'll yeah. pop back. Yeah. It um, happens to me all the time, but yeah, we'll come back to it. Ready. We'll come back. But the second point that we wanted to make is um, you already have been doing this in your life a lot. Like when it, Lee and I started to think about, you know, when is the first time we started asking for money? Our initial thought was within our business, when was the first time we started asking for money? And then it's like, wait a minute, I've done a lot of asking for money in different capacities. You know, I've done... Um, volunteering and fundraising for the charities and causes that are important to me. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly have helped raise money for scout troops 
You know, mm -hmm. if you've got Girl Scouts, you're selling cookies and Boy Scouts are selling popcorn and all kinds of other fundraising activities there. Um, children's activities, they do stuff at school or they have outside activities. Um, if you have kids in school, period, you've been doing some level of asking for money, you mm -hmm. know, and so it's a skill that you already have and have honed, but you're just not owning it. Right. Yeah. It's a part of this invisible workload that many women have um, is also an in invisible talents and skills that you might never recognize or value because they've been kind of packed into this overall thing of being a, a woman and a mom. And so just the same way a lot of women do this invisible work around the house that they never even think of, nobody ever notices. But when you start to really analyze it, you're doing so much more work than you realize. Um, the, another piece of this is you have so many more talents and skills that you've honed over the years. And just because you didn't have a job of direct sales, you know, direct money-making activities, maybe that wasn't your corporate job or something, but you've probably in the background been doing some level of this, assisting in ways, and, and, it, and I've worked with women one-on-one -on -one and in groups over things like this, and it really is like a disconnect. It takes a while for those synapses in the brain to kind of come together and make the connection. Uh, so you might have to think about this. Like if you list out every volunteer task you ever did for a school, a church, a, a local organization throughout your entire life, you may well find you probably raised money and mm -hmm. you probably asked for money. Yeah. And I think if you can say, think of like raising money as asking for money, mm -hmm. it's because you believed in what you were asking mm -hmm. for money for, but we'll slide into that. And, but before we get into how do you get comfortable asking for and getting paid, I thought about what my second thing was. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. It flipped back into my brain. So that's when we were talking about, you know, how come sometimes uh, women that get scholarships and deep discounts aren't as successful. Mm -hmm. um, I had a, a business owner friends say to me one time that she had given a scholarship to a woman and she could see that she was struggling, you mm -hmm. know, and she said, I reached out to her a couple of times. And she finally said to me, I don't feel comfortable coming to you for help because I didn't really pay. Oh, wow. And so she wow. felt like she didn't want to burden the, the business owner by taking up her time because she wasn't a real student, you know, that yeah. she was you know, their own scholarship. That's interesting. Yeah, there may be all kinds of deep psychological stuff going on that the person isn't even aware of. And, you know, what we we have come around to several times over is if we really care about the results our clients get, we have to, we have to charge a, an amount that they'll feel is an exchange, you know, uh, okay, we do occasionally give scholarships and stuff, but we also came around to the person has to earn the scholarship. That doesn't mean they're necessarily working for us, but it means they might have to uh, like if we run a challenge that leads to, you know, some kind of program entry that they need to show up and do the work of the challenge so that they're earning it. And I think psychologically, they feel like they're earning it because people like to earn things. They like to feel like they've earned something. Yeah. Yeah. That was my second point. Yeah. But yeah. it came back in. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That, yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. Otherwise I would have all day been trying to think yeah. of what that was and I would remember it at 3 a.m. I'm sure yeah, don't, now you don't have to wake up at 3 a.m. over yeah. that yeah so do we want to talk about um 
just some strategies and mindset shifts you can make so that you can get comfortable asking for money. I think that's a good idea. Let's go over some things. And so as we list these, we're not saying we, we cringe at the approach is like the equivalent of mansplaining where it's like, just go do it. You know, we're not saying that, but we are going to review some kind of top note, like eagle eye things to be working on. We recognize this takes time and often support and guidance. So we're not saying, oh, just do it. Just get over it. Get over yourself. We would never say that to you. So don't think we're coming at it from that perspective, but we are going to kind of review some things that will help you. And then um, there are ways to find more support and guidance around tricks and tips that you can kind of pull together in your toolkit so you can do these things. Yeah. Yeah. When somebody says, oh, just get comfortable asking for money. It's like, yeah. yeah. It doesn't just happen like that. <laughs> just, just happen. Yeah. Just, Telling me to do it does not make it happen. Yeah. yeah. But like Lisa, said, there are a few things you can do. And um, one of them is really honoring your value. You know, it's, um, it's hard sometimes, especially for divorced women to, to really value and own their self-worth. Like you might be feeling a little bit shaky. Your confidence is a little shaky, but if you can really start sinking into the value that you're providing and honoring that value, mm -hmm. you know, it makes you a little more comfortable when you, when you ask people to pay for your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is solely looking at, and this is so hard for divorced women, women in general can struggle with this, but you know, our population is divorced women. So we're not saying other women don't, or even men don't, but, um, the divorced woman, if you go back to our episode one, is, is struggling more with some of these things. Like, so your your overall value can sometimes feel diminished after a divorce and you, you take some time to get it back. So then when you're, even though you may be more confident in some kind of skill set that you have or talent that you have, there still may be a little bit of work around um, really feeling confident in your market value. Yeah, it's not even just your personal value, right? Mm -hmm. It's the value of the business and yeah. the knowledge and the skill set you're imparting. Mm -hmm. Like that's valuable to people, whatever it is, whether you're teaching them how to declutter their house, you know, teaching them how to manage their finances, like whatever it is that you're teaching, like honor that piece of knowledge that you have and the value it's going to give to your customers. Yeah. And our programs, like there's a way to do this, you know, and again, we're not just saying honor your value. Now you're just all set, go, you know, it, it takes some work, but in our programs, we do a lot of work around in terms of market value, how to figure that out. You know, a lot of it has to do with the outcome that your client is going to get. Um, what happens and improves in their life? What is that worth to them? You know, so there are a lot of ways that you can get at this inherent value that you have in the marketplace. So we're not just saying, go do it. And, and somehow you're just supposed to magically know how to do that. We spend a lot of time with our clients and you know members trying to figure this out. Yeah. And it's not just an emotional value. There's a real tangible value. There's a somebody, tangible value. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, mm -hmm. you know, digging into that. Um, I think a second one is really focusing on the relationship that you're creating with your customer. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be that you're doing one-on-one -on -one work. Like there's a lot of products that I value and that I purchase. I don't know that the one human being or, you know, group of human beings on the other end of it, but I can feel that what they're creating and the 
quality of the product that they're putting out is personal to me. Like I can, you can sense a relationship even with, with bigger companies. Yeah. One thing that comes to mind for you, Mimi, is I know uh, Tom's, you buy Tom's shoes because you really believe you like their business model and the way, you know, they're, they're what they're all about. Yeah. They brought me into this relationship mm-hmm. of helping people around the world, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, they have built that, that relationship with me has a partner in this mission that they've got. Perfect example. Like, yeah. So it's building relationships. And so for you, um, that's a great, you know, and this is another thing we focus on in our, you know, membership and our programs is how do you build that relationship? What, what are the tangible, you know, step-by-step ways you do that? And so again, we're not just saying it's all about relationships. See ya, you know, there are ways that you can learn how to do this. Yeah. How do you dive in to learn about your customer? Mm, yeah. How do you take that knowledge and love that you have for your customer and convert it into a product that's going to deliver that value that you want to honor from, Mm -hmm. you know, the first point that we talked about. So what else, Mimi? Oh, um, you really have to kind of, you've got to be a little confident and assertive. Like Lily and I were talking about this. I was like, assertive, that's... (laughs) It's a word that still grates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not something that necessarily comes natural to me. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I see. You're going to push me out of my comfort zone here, Lee. I mean, yeah. you talk about something. <laughs> I'm going to make you say the A word. <laughs> say, like, she goes, it's not aggressive, Lee. It's just assertive. Yeah. But, um, and that comes from like really knowing your customer, like it's billing, right? Like knowing your customer and having a relationship with them. And valuing yourself and your product allows you to be confident when you talk to them about what it is you want them to buy. And again, like on this point, it's like be confident and assertive, you know, and we hate it when people tell us to just be confident or just be happy or just get over it. You be know? bold. Be bold. Yeah. Be bold. That's nice to Which say. I, think I have on my vision board, in fact. Yeah, this there, year. there you go, Mimi. Be, be bold. bold. Maybe it's be confident and bold, yeah. not assertive. But assertive is not a dirty word, but many women struggle like, oh, wait a minute. Does that mean aggressive? Oh, wait, no, aggressive is aggressive. I've watched so many people struggle with that word. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, confidence and assertiveness, it takes time. It's not always an easy ask, but if you feel like you do need work in becoming more confident and, and developing assertiveness or boldness, it is a learnable skill. As we said earlier, we're acculturated to be a certain way. We're groomed by society as women to be a certain way. And so we've learned. And so we can unlearn the stuff that doesn't serve us and learn the stuff that does serve us. You can learn how to be confident. You can learn how to be assertive and bold. So don't give up on yourself if you feel like maybe a successful business person by any standard still was like assertive. Should we use word assertive? I, I was, my head was over here bobbing yes, yes, yes. When you said that it's something that you can learn. Yeah. Because I can remember thinking, I'm just not whatever. I'm I'm just not confident that way. You know, I'm just um, like, yeah, they've got that skill set. I just don't have it. But it really is when I when I learned that you can learn confidence tools um, and assertiveness tools that work for you. Like, not everybody's level of assertive is going to be the same. Like some people. 
think that um, we were just talking the other day when somebody says, what do you like to do for fun? I think Glennon Doyle was like, that question was a little aggressive. Yeah. You know? right. <laughs> so, so everybody's yeah. line for what feels aggressive and what feels assertive yeah. or dominant is going to be a little bit different, but right. you absolutely <laughs> can learn confidence. And I think in the business world and as a solopreneur, a lot of that confidence comes from your belief in your product and the outcome it delivers. Yes. And, and it takes some work to do that. We have coaches who've coached us into how to do this. You may need coaches. We have clients who are learning how to do this. You know, you find support to do all the stuff we're talking about. We don't expect you just to hear it and be able to go do it. Yeah. I just want to be super, super clear and keep reminding you that. Um, The next one would be, be open to feedback. And I know people are like, yeah, I want feedback. But then sometimes you get feedback that like, harder to take in and so it's learning this is another thing you learn how to do I think a lot of women fall under like fear of not being perfect and so hearing any kind of a feedback can be so terrifying because women are so scared of not being perfect or not or getting it wrong somehow that feedback feels life-threatening yeah (laughs) you know yeah it it's feedback automatically feels like criticism. Yeah. And criticism means that I'm doing something wrong and mm-hmm. doing something wrong means that I failed. And you could just keep mm-hmm. taking that spiral mm-hmm. down. And um, yeah, instead of feedback could be positive. It can it be positive is- feedback, but it's also even negative feedback is such an opportunity to learn. Yeah. And, and I know that sounds kind of smarmy, like, oh, it's an opportunity to learn. Um, but it is, it is, it, it may be hard. It's hard to get negative feedback. It stings. I'm not, it, in the end, weeks later, it may be, you can see it as a gift, but in the moment, even intellectually, if you'd like to see it as a gift, you'd like to see it as a good thing. It can sting and it can take a little time just to take it in and be thoughtful, be reflective, but it's a good skill like a good muscle to strengthen, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it's, um, especially if you're getting really honest feedback from somebody that you trust Mm -hmm. and you trust their wisdom and you know that they're speaking to you from a place of wanting to help you and loving you, like that then starts to build that confidence. One, that somebody has even taken the time to review my work and mm-hmm. have an opinion about it and then share it with me to make me better. Mm-hmm. Like that's a beautiful gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can sting because you've got your heart in this. We all have our hearts in our businesses, right? And the outcomes that we want for right. our customers. So to find out that that we're not doing it right. Yeah. So that's like more the general look at feedback, but the way feedback comes in, in the sale sales loop is uh, you're not getting results. And so here again, you, this is where you want to strengthen that skills, that muscle so that you don't flinch too hard from a lack of results, because what happens when you flinch too hard from the result, not being what you wanted is that you throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. You decide everything you've done is wrong. The whole pitch was wrong. The product is wrong. The price is wrong. And so you could be so sensitive to the feedback of not getting the sale or the results in a big campaign uh, that you 
take it too hard. You take it in too much. And then you get confused about what actually needs to happen. So there's a whole analytical process you can go through to help, you know, rather than hitting everything with a hammer, I'm using metaphor, you know, baby with a bathwater hammer, that you want to use a tiny, you know, like scalpel approach. Like maybe it was this one tiny thing and not like the whole thing. Yeah. So Lee can yeah. say that so confidently because we have products in our portfolio that we were so proud of. And we offered them gently one time to anybody that happened to walk by and turn their head at just the exact angle to see it (laughs) and not want it. We're like, oh, that that product bombed. It was like, this is like early when we first started. And, you know, we were so proud and all it meant was we didn't package it right or present it right. Or we didn't present it to the right person. Like, you know, instead of taking like Lee said, that scalpel to figure out where it wasn't connecting with who we wanted it to connect with. Mm-hmm. That has sat on the shelf now for five years or something. I still see it every now and then. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that was really a good program. We made excellent programs. And often, so this, I, this is another beginning mistake with this whole feedback thing is often what the issue is. I'll just go into a little more of a deep dive on be open to feedback. And, and here we're talking about the feedback of not getting the sales result, not getting the money you wanted, um, is often in the beginning, we were not really selling, we were not really even selling it. And we would think that the feedback was telling us that we were wrong, our product was wrong, our price was wrong, but we were not even really making the ask in a compelling way to enough people so that was the issue, but we couldn't quite see it. You know, we couldn't quite see it. So anyway. Yeah. The non-sale feedback is telling you a lot. <laughs> right. There's a lot there to unpack. Yeah. And it's yeah. good. So, yeah. so really um, learning how to be open to, to that feedback respondent. So perfect. I'm glad you brought it that way. And um, another way to get comfortable in asking for money and getting paid for your value and what you deliver is to really prepare and practice how you're going to present that to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Lee and I went to an elevator pitch uh, workshop. It was, was like, yeah, it was like a chamber of commerce or something here in Raleigh where I live and Mimi used to live in Raleigh. And uh, we went to a chamber event and it was really fun. We all did pitches for our business and somebody was there to walk us through how to do that. Yeah. It was eye-opening because when they said, you know, like, oh, what's your elevator pitch? And they gave us a framework to walk through. We since have developed, you know, some what we think, you know, are more beneficial frameworks for women in business, especially if you're a coach or teacher or mentor type of business. Um, It's one of our favorite things to work on and something that we do too, but just to be super prepared with the language in which you talk about your business and your product and then practice it, Mm -hmm. you know, because you want to be able to say it Mm -hmm. very clearly and easily just have it like roll off your tongue. Like, what do you do? Oh, I help women you know, after their divorce, take their business idea and turn it into a really profitable business that mm-hmm. they love to run. Yeah. Yeah. And early on, we would write these beautiful mission statements about what we were all about. And, you know, they were sort of elevator pitchy. And then it, we would try, we couldn't 
like in a business meeting months later, it's like, we couldn't remember what it was. We couldn't remember, we couldn't spit it back out. We could get at it with a lot of different words and paragraphs, but you know, you want to um, pr prepare and practice to the point where you really have it down. And if somebody asked you out of context and you were, you know, had a bag of groceries in your hand and a baby, you know, screaming in the other hand, that you could still say what it was, you know, that precisely in that moment. So you really do want to get it down. Yeah. And we run workshops. So, mm -hmm. you know, keep an eye on our website and we'll pop it out. And if you're on our email list, that's a great mm -hmm. way to know if we have a, because we'll do those live where we'll all work together, mm -hmm. you know, um, get some feedback and practice saying them to each other, because mm -hmm. that's one of the the kind of last tip that we have in here is really seek support and guidance from people that are doing what you're doing mm -hmm. and understand what you're doing. You know, I know when I first started talking about, you know, my business and what we were doing and what we were hoping to do in my family is like, what? <laughs> I mean, even when we first started in the online space, you know, it was like, what, you know, so even our business sounded a little, um, interesting, you know, but kind of hard to understand. Mm -hmm. And so finding the people that could really help guide us and give us the support mm -hmm. that we needed all of that, like knowledge and skill mm -hmm. um, just helps build that confidence. And it's finding the right support, the right guidance. And we, we, as coaches ourselves, you know, running a business, have business coaches for us. We pay a lot of money to get the kind of support and guidance we need. And we know as um, entrepreneurs, we're not solopreneurs because we're lucky enough to have a business partner. You know, Mimi's my business partner. I'm her business partner. So we have a little built-in support, but it's still a, a long, sometimes lonely road, you know, and so to, to make sure that, you know, one of your business expenses will be getting support and guidance. Um, we had to kind of get to a point where we accepted that too. At first, we didn't want to, we're like, well, you know, we shouldn't be putting all that money in. But then we realized the more money we put in, the better off we were. So, um, yeah, it's one of our conversations every year. Like, mm -hmm. what is the help that we're going to seek and hire this year that's going to help us move our business forward? Because mm -hmm. you really need different different skill sets at every phase Absolutely. in your business. Um, and then we joined communities. Mm -hmm. Like we have our little pod, you know, but we both have separate communities outside of this. Mm -hmm. Um, because to learn something like, um, I said, I can't listen to any more podcasts anymore because I immediately go on and buy whatever book that they were talking about <laughs> or reviewing. Yeah. I told me, I said, I literally think I have three new books arriving at my house today that are all focused on either self-help or business help, um, books, but it's really hard to like, I can read it and get the concepts, but it's so much better to talk about it and practice it and have a live experience with it. Right. So get support and guidance. And that's, you know, we do have a membership. So if you're interested, you can go and check it out um, because a part of the membership is that pitch um, workshop is included in that. So, oh yeah. If you're in the membership, you yeah. can just come on over to that for free. Right. So, you know, getting paid is so important when you have your own business. It seems like we wouldn't have to say that, but as women, um, Again, it's not our fault. It's not biological. You know, we're not, we didn't come out. We weren't born to be struggling with getting paid. We were taught this, you know, in mm -hmm. our upbringing. There are a lot of different things that go into it, but 
um, you can learn the skill. You can unlearn the unhelpful stuff, learn the helpful stuff. You can get paid and you can just get better and better and better at the art of getting comfortable asking for money. Yeah. And know that those fears that you have about it are real, you know, they're real, but and common and they don't have to stop you. Mm -hmm. So like whether your fear is rejection, whether it's a lack of confidence, you know, whether it's, I shouldn't ask for money, like whatever it is that's holding you back, all the other business owners out there, no matter how confident they appear right now, um, either are at this moment or have in the past had those same thoughts. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's very common. So it's something everyone has, but everyone can push through and uh, there are specific ways to do it. You just got to start learning and practicing. Yeah, we absolutely believe in you. Yeah, we do. So until next time, everybody. We'll see ya. Thank you for listening to Getting Rich After Divorce. We're so happy you were here. We truly value each and every one of you. Yes, um, we we sure do. And be sure to subscribe to us wherever you're catching us, whether it's on, you know, through a podcast platform or on YouTube. Uh, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you feel like you deserve that. Um, and, and join our community so you get updates and, and stick with us.